Hey, what's up, everybody? Um, this next podcast is with Naomi Alanis. She is a uh, researcher, um, one of the clinical research managers at the local one of the local uh, hospitals. Um, she is a professor at one of the or assistant professor at one of the local medical schools. Super smart, has two master's degrees, um, and we get into a lot about um, where research is at today, uh, what could be done better, and what's super frustrating for me is we actually got like an hour and a half into this podcast and my computer pro, uh, recording software crashed and I lost that. So what you hear now, we have the first 14 minutes of the podcast and then you'll hear a break and then we'll go on to the, the second half and I kind of explain where we're at. So um, super bummed that it, it got messed up in that way, but um, hope you all enjoy. I did. Can I take my shoes off? Yeah, I feel like I'm gonna... Totally. <clears throat> we're recording now, so do whatever you want. <laughs> I usually come out here with my slippers anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Because <laughs> I can, I know myself from the Yeah. Do that. Girl, do whatever you want. Well, Naomi. Yes. Naomi Alanis. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming out tonight, or I guess today is it's afternoon. But I am, the reason why I asked you on here, because we work together a little bit in research. Uh, I've, only, I've only did one project and I loved it. Um, and you're just, a, you're a very interesting person. Um, the few conversations that we've had, uh, your career, your degrees, tell, tell me a little bit about how you got to where you are today, why, uh, you like doing what you do, which is research. And like, what, what are you doing? Like job wise, even now? Now it's, um, interesting because, um, I'm working remotely and we, um, the company that I work for, um, <clears throat> is very adamant about, us being safe. Mm. They're emergency medicine doctors. So hey, real quick, do me a favor, put that right up on your face. They're emergency there medicine go. doctors. There you go. And it's very interesting. Um, <clears throat> my role has kind of changed now that I cannot be in the ED um, running um, studies. But uh, what I'm doing now is a data analysis and manuscript um, editing and putting it together. Mm. I'm looking at a lot of research. <laughs> burp do it do it on mic come on get it <laughs> this is this is super chill they're you know we're just chit-chatting okay. so do whatever you want burp in the mic i don't care you mean a burp for you there you go i can't any anymore <laughs> <laughs> i can't anymore. Hey, it's cool <clears throat> but anyway um so i started on this journey i guess there it is there he goes <laughs> You can come and slap your back if you want. Yeah, I think I need that. Um, I started um, when working when I was 16. Um, and when I was 19 or 20, I went to school for medical assisting. Um, so I did that for a couple of years. Um, and Years or beers? Both. <laughs> well, there was a said, lot of it sounded like you said two beers. I, was like, hey, yeah, I mean, we can get a second beer if yeah, you want. I need it. I need it. Yeah, drink a little I'm more. I'm done because like. It's it's a little hoppy. I know, but hoppy. I like I like blood blood and honey. Blood and honey it's is amazing. It's it's our go to beer. I'm not yeah. gonna lie. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry, I don't have tequila. No, that's fine. <laughs> this is perfect. This my son likes this beer too. Um, my son is my son is twenty three, and and my stepson is twenty. And my stepson doesn't drink. He's he's a uh, goody goody. <laughs> <laughs> 
And my son as well. He's mama's son. Yep. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> good, good. I talk, well. So I'm going to send this to your sons immediately. Like, <laughs> right, I'm right going to send it to them right now. Uh, Guess what your mom said. No, actually, my stepson and I are more similar than my son and I. Oh, really? My, my son and my husband are very similar. Huh. Um, and the fact that they don't want to go to school, they, don't, they only do enough to get by. Mm. And I'm like, that kind of thing. Like, remember I was saying when COVID hit and I was training them on how to be clean and yeah. wash hands and wipe down surfaces. Your stepson was a little more. He was more vigilant. He yeah. was in college. He was in North Texas um, in school. And so we didn't have much control, but he is more vigilant and he pays attention more. Mm he would have been fine with the whole thing and helping me um, versus um, working against the current. <laughs> talking with the about, other two. Yeah, with the other two. <laughs> it's like, well. So. Okay, so what's your um, your title right now? You're the clinical research manager, is yeah, that right? manager of clinical research. Okay. And I was right before February. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to. Yeah. I'll get a good one. Because I, I got good ones. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be, this is gonna be a fun off. podcast i mean we're what five minutes in four minutes and 30 seconds in this is gonna be a great podcast <laughs> <laughs> i can't wait to hear the edited version oh i'm not editing any of this stuff out <laughs> this is staying in <laughs> we, we, we'll see we'll see okay <laughs> you're not gonna sue me are you i mean no, okay. no. i not wouldn't yet. say anything to, to be sued for Please no, not me. Yet. Oh, no me oh no me you're good <laughs> I'm gonna drink to that. I'm worried about me. <laughs> Why are you worried about you? <laughs> oh, this is great. I can't wait to get on the serious stuff. We're gonna knock it out of the park. I we'll see what happens. <laughs> I you know, no, this promises. Is a, already the best ever. This is great. <laughs> okay, back to you. Okay, so you're you're the clinical research yeah. manager at the at so okay, so I work for a company, <clears throat> um a physician um staffing company like a physician group yes a physician group for emergency medicine doctors and they employ me and i was brought in to help with the research initiative at jps um and bumsey which is baylor dallas i'm gonna get bumsey too yeah and then um also now working at all saints in fort worth dang girl sorry didn't mean to say places but anyway so um so i was brought in to help with the research initiative because I spent a couple of years um, <clears throat> in immunology Ooh. and um, learned a lot and got really proficient at grants um, and contracts. Um, so and with I, immunology, were you a research assistant? Were you leading that group? No, I was not leading that group. That That's a whole level. Um, you need PhD. You need mm. all that stuff. Um, and I wasn't a research assistant. I was a grants and contracts person. Okay. And... To understand what's really happening in the department um, and to ensure that all things are in place and everybody's meeting their goals because I had to manage the grants. Mm-hmm. I went back there and I did pipetting. I did mm-hmm. some, learn how to run PCR machines. So it was very, very cool. It was in flow cytometry, flow cytometry, things like that. There was a microarray lab, um, all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah. Um, we had animal resource centers, so <clears throat> only certain people were allowed to go into that resource center. Um, it's where they keep mice and rats for experiments, basically. Oh. So 
you have to suit up and you have to go through whole decontamination. Did you get to do a lot of that? I was, I went in there once. Wow. Yes. Um, and it was, it, it takes a special kind of person to work down there. Mm. Is (laughs) it, is it hard kind of practicing on animals? It, not really. I think it's more of the, when you, there's a whole plan for euthanasia and you have to follow it exactly. And if you're a sensitive person, you, you're not going to get through it. Mm. Also, sometimes if you're not careful with the animal and you're trying to do experiment you will ruin everything and those mice cost millions and millions of dollars so really heck yeah it's a money maker the the mice themselves actually yeah they have different um classes of mice i guess you could say really mm-hmm. yeah that um, they're bred uh, a certain way to have certain Gen, uh, genome, mm-hmm. uh, whatever. Based on the experiment, <clears throat> based on what type no, of lab experiment they're doing. No, it's um, you have a certain class of uh, mice for the experiment you're going to do, and it's dependent upon the mice that are available, not the other way around. Hope that makes mm. sense. So you can't really design a, a study around a new kind of mice that doesn't exist. Hmm. Does that make sense? Kind of. So basically, you, you just can't go and catch a mouse somewhere and then experiment on it. No, it has okay. to have a certain uh, <clears throat> genomic code or uh, whatever they want. Um, but there's a variety. Hmm. So the good thing is there's a bunch of mice out there. <laughs> <laughs> no, really? When you start doing it on pigs in Texas, the pigs in Texas are freaking so, out the wazoo. So let me tell you about pigs. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you about pigs. Let me tell you about pigs. <laughs> So in immunology, I learned about all that stuff. I learned about study design, things that I didn't want to know about. Learned about it. Uh, studied with uh, very important researchers in oh the field. Oh my gosh! I can turn my phone turn off. Turn off. Turn I don't, phone what's wrong off. with me? I'm hosting this thing. I can turn my phone off. <laughs> yeah. So stupid thing. I, I just decided to uh, sign up on a third party insurance website to see if I could just just look at quotes for different random insurances. Stupidest decision I've ever made in my life. I probably had probably 100 calls in the past two mm-hmm. days. Yeah. I've blocked every number, but because they're robo calls, they changed the number, so I have to keep blocking it. Oh, man. I'm so sorry. No, so don't. tell me about pigs. <laughs> so pigs. So <clears throat> let me finish the story about immunology. Oh, okay. So I was there for quite some time. Love them. I would I would still go back um, if I were to go back. Oh, my gosh. They're, they're a family. Um, so once I finished with them, I worked with a lot of prominent researchers along the way because immunology touches all kinds of mm-hmm. things, kind of like emergency medicine does. You see all people from different departments. Um, <clears throat> one of uh, my favorite things that happened was uh, I worked on a really large multi-million dollar grant for a Nobel Prize winner. Ooh. And as a, yeah, as a thank you, he, you know, invited us to lunch and and I made him belly laugh. And that was like the best thing ever. Was is he not like a funny guy? He I guess people when you meet Nobel laureates, they're like, oh my gosh, it's like a oh, starstruck mm. for science people. Yeah. I've I've actually kind of <laughs> ramped in my mind what it'd be like. Isn't that kind of weird? <laughs> like, wow, what it would be like to meet this guy. Oh my gosh. So yeah, it was like if your favorite artist or your favorite actor or something like that mm-hmm. well, in the science world, that's kind of a similar issue um and everybody's being proper and this and that and then he started telling us a story for when he went to go pick up his um when they had the ceremony when he picked up his uh 
prize. And he said that there's certain classes of awards and medicine and physics is at the top and at the very bottom is the peace uh, Nobel Peace Prize. And it was the... Um, really? Yes. That's and, the lowest of all the awards? Yes. The less, the least prestigious. What's the most prestigious? I, I believe he said medicine, medicine and physics. Wow. So he, I think it was, he he got awarded the same year that um, the young lady who was shot in the face by the Taliban got her Peace huh. Prize. Oh. So okay. I forgot her name, but they they were awarded in the yeah. same year. And uh, <laughs> he said, yeah, once, once all the big... Ones are gone. Nobody's left over. But I stayed because I really was admiring of her courage um, and all these things. But it was like really low. And I'm like, so I said wow. something that made him belly laugh. And and so and he that was, was kind of the connection. Like, yes. yes! <laughs> wow, that's funny. It was such a great moment. <laughs> <laughs> One of my um, great, great memories. Making, How long ago was that? Oh, my gosh. Mm, could be 10 years ago, yeah. maybe. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And we would pass each other in the hallway, mm. um, uh, you know, stuff like that. It was cool, really mm. cool. Um, great that I had the opportunity to work with them. Anyway, now on to pigs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love you so much. Family. This is going to be so great. I can't wait. So after our immunology, I worked in orthopedic surgery in their, as their manager of clinical research. And we had this crazy kind of uh, assistant director who I reported to of research. And he was not very friendly. Um, he was um, not very friendly. Uh, so the thing he used to do, he was a veterinarian. And he would have me order pigs, um, like maybe 10 pigs. And we would have to set them up and get all the tools and ready for them because they were going to practice. They would I had to buy saw bones, things like that. Mm. Um, so they could dissect the pigs. And uh, fortunately, I did not have to clean it up. <laughs> I just had to set up because cleanup requires a whole next level of um, sanitation. Mm. So um, <clears throat> that was handed off to a special group of environmental services. Um, to clean up after that, but I would have to do that twice a year. Um, also, interestingly, um, I would have to also order bodies, willed mm. bodies, so they, so students or residents yeah. could practice. That was your job? That was my job too. <laughs> yeah, because it was considered a research. Huh. Um, it, even though, it, it, think about research, human research, even if it's a if it's a cadaver. Um, it's kind of like research, but because the person willed their body, it's really doesn't qualify as human subject research because they're not alive. Mm. So it's kind of like a weird gray area. Um, there's a lot of gray areas, like mm -hmm. a whole lot of gray areas. Yeah. How do, how do you kind of navigate those gray areas like just, this? You live in the gray. Oh, I know. You just live in the gray. Yeah. That's how you navigate. The it, question is still like, but how, like you live in the gray, but how... How do you move forward in the gray without it becoming a conflict of interest or doing some crazy experiment that you didn't even know you were doing type of thing? Because there's a like, I think a lot of people. The show don't stop. Yeah, well, we had about an hour and a half recorded and my computer crashed just now. Oh, my 
gosh. And I got 14 minutes back. <laughs> Man, we had some awesome conversation. I, I walked away to get a beer, and this is what happens. This is what happens when you get a beer. Listen to all you youngsters. <laughs> all right, so the past hour and a half, what did we talk about? <laughs> all right, let's recap. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Talk I don't about know where to go. Book, conspiracy theories, uh, research, the Belmont Report. Um, society, uh, attitudes, how they're changing. Yeah. yeah. A little bit of everything? A little bit of everything. Yeah. Oh, you know how pissed I am right now. That's oh, well. Okay, it'll be fine. Hopefully I can recover. I probably can't, but hopefully I can. You never know. Stranger things have happened. Yeah. Yeah. I told my husband um, in September because he was feeling good about the situation and like, yeah, it's going to be great. We're going to go back and he's not an optimist at all what situation um just like going back to work and oh, okay. being normal and then we we took a couple of trips uh it was important for us oh to your point about believing what you read and what you see or not oh, believing yeah. it yeah. so to your point um myself i have to go out into the world and see what's really happening mm-hmm. and although i can't go to like out of, out of the country mm-hmm. i can go to different states and so that's what i did i went to different states to see how states were different areas were dealing with covid situation mm-hmm. and some places are more um conservative than others um texas is wild <laughs> yes Holy wow yes um in new york is conservative it's very safe um in Utah. Wait, New York is conservative on on COVID. On COVID, okay. Yeah, I no, I love New York. New York is the bomb. Really? Yes, yes. but they are very conservative. Uh, sorry, maybe that's not the right word. Um, they are uh, very mindful of cleanliness mm-hmm. and crowding. There's no crowds. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's clean. It's you know everybody's careful. Everybody respects. Um, and other places like Texas, we don't care. You know? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people don't, correct? Yeah. So when we went to New York, I had a contract, a contact tracer call me and he sounded so happy to talk to me. Like, and for me, I have the, um, a thing about contact tracing. Like I really don't believe in it Really? because you are going to have communities who are distrustful of the state. Um, yes. And you're not going to answer. And well, I'm, I don't want my name on that list. Like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that's how I was raised. Um, not to not to respect authority. <laughs> mm. Okay. Good to know. <laughs> uh, or to have my own ideas about things or mm-hmm. go find out information so I can make my own decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I was like, mm, contact tracing going to work over here? Because there's mm-hmm. a lot of people in the community who are distrustful of authority yeah um but no i talked to this dude and i'm like okay i'm gonna give it a shot new york is chill place i like it and i'm gonna do my part and you went there with during covid uh yes we went yeah um not in the peak Uh um but we had we have a cousin who was dying of metastatic cancer it spread to her brain to different parts of her body um, and so we were taking my mother-in-law to go stay with her. Um, okay. So what we did was we picked her up in West Texas, brought her to where we live in North Texas. Uh, we 
we stayed in North Texas for two weeks to make sure everything's good. Yeah. Uh, then we went to New York because we want to make sure we're not taking anything to yeah. our cousin who's dying already. Yeah. Um, so we, everything's fine. It was great. It was, uh, but the contact tracer was so happy to talk to somebody. He gave me his whole spiel and I told him, yes, I know I get it. I get it because this is what I do. He's like, oh, okay, ma'am. Uh, so, uh, you probably already heard this before, but I just got to tell you, but he was so happy to talk to somebody. I felt like nobody was answering the phone. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not going to lie that somebody did call me after I got tested because I tested positive for COVID a couple of times. Um, and I didn't answer. I was like, oh, well, well that's terrible. But I, I, I know that's terrible. But that's, but that's <clears throat> like, I feel the same way, but, but because I'm on this kind of like this journey of, I want to understand how other States are dealing with this. Yeah. Um, I, okay, let me participate. Let me become participant. You know, I, it's enough for me to be like in the background and watching things happen, but no, let me put myself out there. Mm. Uh, just to, just to see that nothing's bad, bad is going to happen to me. So, uh, but at other places, California, I went to Cali. Um, oh my gosh. I'm from California. You are? Well, I was technically, so, all right, let me, let me rephrase that. I was born in California, Riverside, um, then went to Hesperia for a few years and then Missouri then here, but I grew up here. Grew up here? But yeah, I was. But um, you're Cali. I'm Cali. Cali. All Cali. right. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've been here long enough though that I'm technically Texan. Texas. <laughs> Just then. Uh, yeah, I have family in Cali. I have family in, um. New Mexico family here, of course, North Carolina, um, New York. Um, So, yeah, I went out to Cali. They're very um, the same as New York. Um, Very safe, very clean, very respectful of Mm. the of what we got to do to get through this together. Uh, And I was very impressed with Cali and New York, Utah, Colorado, (laughs) Nevada. Not so not so much. Is it worse than Texas? No. Is Texas the worst? Yes. Okay. Makes sense. <laughs> Freaking Texas. Yes. Oh, man. So when the contact tracer in New York uh, called me, uh, because I-, I was thinking, oh, my God, somebody on the plane, you know, was positive, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like. Oh, were they? No. Oh. So so I'm like, well, why are you calling me? He goes, oh, because you may have been exposed. I'm like, by who? And he said, oh. Because you came from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair. That makes sense. I'm like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> so if, uh, so you think that we everybody should have just for a couple of weeks shut everything down, and then it would it would be good, or like what what is your what is my take on this yeah, situation with the shutdown with how COVID has responded? Because I know definitely Texas is. From what I like, especially from what you're saying, Texas has not followed the suit like everybody else. Oh yeah, you know, that's, we, but that's also typical. That's typical. Of you Texas. need a passport to travel into Texas. I mean, literally. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've been around the world, and Texas is way different. <laughs> it's like insane. Even when I say I'm from Texas, they expect me to wear a cowboy hat and boots. Yes, you know, I know. It's kind of funny. But when I talk to my Latin counterparts, like from Florida or whatever, and they're Puerto Rican. Dominican, um, you know, from Caribbean 
um, Latin countries. Um, and they're like, oh, yeah, you're from Texas because they're like, you're Mexican? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm from Texas. They're like, oh, okay, because when I remember um, Mexico used to be a part of, you know, Texas was a part mm-hmm. of Mexico. And, and so they get it. So they remember or <laughs> were they there? <laughs> <laughs> right. They remember because these were ghosts. Actually, mm. no, just kidding. Uh, no, <laughs> what I meant was they remember from when they learned uh, wherever they learned it yeah. was that Mexico was a part mm-hmm. of Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, California, mm-hmm. all of that. Um, and now we're United States. So when they asked me, where are you from? I'm like, Texas. And they're and, and the normal reaction from my non-Latin counterparts is like, Texas. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you want me to say? <laughs> Some foreign South American country. <laughs> So they're automatically profiling you. Yes. Bottom line. Again. Yes. Yeah. Again. Which the, apparently that's an error. According to my humanities teacher, profiling is something that we do even without. Subconsciously. Um, yeah. 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 Even without. Yeah. Um, but my Latin counterparts are that are not Mexican. Um, they they get it. They're like, oh yeah, because Mexico used to be a part of this. That that makes sense. And Mexicana. Okay. So so back to like, you have your take on this, you know, it's been six months since the shutdown, mm-hmm. right? It's about six months. March. Oh, the, the lockdown. Yeah. Was it March? Yeah, it was the last so, of March, I think. So March, April, May, June, July, August. So end of September. So if you keep, it's about six months. Yeah. It's, since the end of March, now we're in October. October. We got to get through I was telling my husband, my take on it is currently in September, I told my husband, because he was thinking, oh, yeah, we're, we're good. We're going to, we're, we're going back to work and blah, blah, blah. And like, we're 50% capacity at work. And I'm like, okay, well, that's great. But let's just get through October. <laughs> this is a pivot to me in my mind. My gut instinct tells mm-hmm. me October is in a pivotal month. Let's get through October. And then we know better what to expect for the winter months. Um, and then October we, 2nd. We can have summer through November here in Texas. You can. I we mean, can. It's been known to happen. So, yeah. there's there's no like there's no seasons here. It's yeah. just like seasons are in one day. But uh, anyway, yeah. So I told him, and then um, yesterday happened, <laughs> which is October second. Yes. And I'm like, I'm telling you, we're barely on day two. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I guess like it seems like it started out with you know two weeks to flatten the curve. Let's shut everything down. Two weeks to flatten the curve. And that kind of it, it went to, from two weeks to six months in a lot of places. So, do you still agree? Like, do you think that's the best choice to be able to still shut everything down? Um, do you think that we have the capabilities to be able to handle, you know, that curve that might be spiking or not spiking? It doesn't, I mean, it definitely the, the 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 rate of hospitalizations is definitely going down. It seems like the rate of hospital hospitalizations are the metric that we want to use, not just increasing cases because you can have a case and be totally fine right whether it's asymptomatic or mild symptoms um but it's who's getting hospitalized and Mm -hmm. that rate is going down Mm -hmm. um but again it went from two weeks to six months now and there was a like it seems like everybody is is using the the mortality rate you know to push everything that they want to push which i get like we don't want people to die but there's another factor like with world hunger is doubled now. Mm-hmm. It's the average people who die from world hunger. I think it's like 9 million. 
um, because the economic shutdown that's projected to be 18 million for this year. So how do how do we correlate world hunger mortality pretty much with COVID mortality, and which one should we follow? Because that research is what's driving a lot of these COVID shutdowns. We don't want people to die, so we shut down everything. We bring them in, but by bringing them in, we've actually increased it in in a lot of other ways. Mm-hmm. So, kind of, how, how do we find that balance on what's the best way to go? In your opinion, I. I don't know. That's a good question. Um, this is an advanced question. <laughs> I'd like to call a friend. <laughs> All right, who would you call? <laughs> what I call? I would call one friend of mine, and, and uh, he's very good, but he's very long-winded. Um, but <laughs> Maybe he, I shouldn't have him on the podcast. He has a, he has a, a really good take on politics, um, and he's knowledgeable in the research arena. Um, his name is Glenn, uh, and uh, he would be a great person to ask that question mm. because he would give you questions um, to that, like what studies did you read about that and how many were out there and mm. how do you know that's the real number and not a number that somebody wants you to see. You know, he would throw out those yeah. kinds of questions. Um, and that is kind of my take on it. I don't know a lot about that situation to understand. I know that because of the economic shutdown a lot of things are delayed or there's a back back order for i don't know what the word is but um there are a lot of situations that have come out of this and it they're not good situations Mm -hmm. but there are a lot of good situations that have come out of this too i agree yeah yeah so uh that the world changes um and this is not the world's first pen well is it the world's first pandemic no what? Oh, the world's first pandemic? Because like the, I mean, we've had. Like, no, because like Spanish flu. Spanish flu. Um, bubonic plague. Bubonic, yeah. Um, but to this scale. Well, in so. In modern times. So then that's a huge deal. Like <sighs> flights, uh, mm-hmm. trains, like that wasn't a thing back then. Like, exactly. And so it was travel. And so when this thing first happened, my mom told me. Because I wanted to go check on my aunt in North Carolina. Yeah. And she's like, no, no, me how don't do that because you don't know what's in the air currently and you don't want to take anything to her unwittingly. And sure enough, like the next day after that, you saw those huge crowds of people mm. trying to get back home. And that, and to me, that was a huge contributing factor to the spread mm-hmm. was people on airplanes. And so she was right. Um, She doesn't own a TV. (laughs) Yeah. By the way, if we if we reference something that may not be on the previous podcast that I lost because my computer's dumb, oh well, suck it up, guys. I I, my mom doesn't own a TV, and the only reason that I have TV is because of my husband. Yeah. And if it were, I'm so pissed that we lost that. I hope, man, I hope I can recover this. Yeah. And if it weren't for my husband, I would not own a TV. Yeah. Uh, so that's where that reference came from. Um, my mom does not own a TV either. Um, and um, she barely uses the computer for work because um, she's she's uh, she's in her 60s. Um, she's at that age. It's, uh, yeah, she's about to draw Social Security here in a minute. Come and, on. 
right? And uh, by my age, uh, it's gonna be bankrupt. I know. <laughs> I I'm not planning on retirement. Nope. There's no way there's gonna be retirement nope. when I get there. It's so right. do, you, like have you have a previous outside retirement plan or anything like that? Oh, I mean, I have yeah, I have retirement plan, but I mean, like like to store money and stuff like four hundred one k stuff like that. Yeah, but, that's all separate. But you're not counting on social security. Yeah, either am I. Uh-uh. Yeah, I'm paying into it and have been paying into it. Probably, right. I mean, both our entire lives. Right. But we ain't going to see it. But it's not, yeah, no, it's not going to happen. No. It's not going to happen for me. So this, I like to call this age, to, this era that we're in today, the age of misinformation. Okay. Okay. Because there is so much information that it's almost too hard to handle. Um, as a researcher, as a professor, which we haven't mentioned that before, your professor, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Assistant professor. Okay, assistant professor. Yes, I can't be full professor, not yet. Not yet, okay. How do we manage and decide what information to go with? How do you manage and decide? Because there's so much. You know, why would I choose this over that, this article over that article, you know, and why would I believe anything? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, don't believe anything that doesn't make sense to you, number one. If it doesn't make sense to you and you, it's like hard for you to believe, don't believe it. If it doesn't make sense to you and if you don't feel good about it, don't believe it. I don't care what anybody tells you if it doesn't make sense. Hmm. Number one. Why? Um, because you need to go with your gut. That well, will, why, do I sh- why should I go with my gut? You should go with your gut because that's what's kept us alive for you know, so long. Um, cavemen, that's how we evolve. But, so sometimes you can't explain things yeah. that you see, that you hear, that you want to use your brain to overthink it. Um, if you want to be, um, I, this is my take. If you want to be informed properly, you need to do what's good for you at the time. Um, hmm. Yeah. So if it, when you're ready for it. Yeah. And again, when. <laughs> When the student is ready. <laughs> yes. When society is ready. <laughs> when the student Gosh. is ready. We talked earlier, we talked a lot about open-mindedness. And I don't know if it's if I'll recover that podcast, but we talked about open-mindedness and um, how society isn't necessarily ready for a lot of the, the further advancements, which could lead to being closed-minded and blah, 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 blah. So. Yeah. And there's, yeah, there's people who, who want to keep it the way it is, um, but that's not acceptable anymore. Uh, because the way thing, at least in the United States, mm-hmm. I don't know about other countries, um, uh, but I can speak from uh, this point of view in the U.S. Um, things are changing, and um, there are certain people at the upper echelons who wanted to keep things a certain way. Mm-hmm. The old guard, like you said. Yeah, the yeah. old guard, and now they're phasing out, and and now we're having this uh, kind of a revolution happening, and it's a revitalization and recognition um and understanding um that uh, we, we we all need to do our part and um i'm not going to sit here and, and s- tell you crazy crazy stuff only that if it doesn't make sense to you hmm. don't believe it see i think i have a hard time with with that i think because you, you, like yes like I, I i trust my gut but it seems like I trust my gut in only certain situations. Like I trust my gut. Like and the lesson I learned, like I told you earlier, was I got the people died because I didn't say something because I didn't trust my gut. I talked myself out of my gut feeling, and you know, someone's cardiac monitor looked like they're having a stomach, like a massive heart attack, or 
one person looked like they're having a triple A and I should have said something and never did. And both those people died. Mm. So that was a gut feeling I talked myself out of, mm. which I get. Um, but I'll, like things like this, where I'm making decisions, I'm making decisions based on information. Like I, I want to know logically and empirically, like what this means and how I can apply. It. And then I make my decisions mm-hmm. if I want to believe that or not. So mm-hmm. just because like for me, so that being said, my gut feeling in this situation, I have a hard time with I'm not gonna lie. I'm very practical in my brain thinking on statistics and, and using the logical evidence before me. You know what they say about statistics, right? 12% of them are made up. No, there's, <laughs> there's statistics, there's statistics and then there's lies. <laughs> yes. Cause you can paint them any way you want. Yeah. Which, exactly right. That's why I said 12% of statistics are made up. Same thing, yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So what would you say to somebody like me who has a hard time trusting their feelings and their gut? Oh, trusting feelings in your gut? Um, Practice fine-tuning it um, on everyday little things. Um, That's what I did with – I practiced on my kid. <laughs> I'm not saying. So, I'm not saying for you to do hu- that. Human research. Yeah. Yeah. No. I. That's what it is. I mean, come on. And you have a theory, and your theory or your your concept is, uh, I don't trust myself. I tend to overthink. Okay. Well, just practice things where you're not overthinking. Um, I don't know what situations you you would be in, but that as a guideline. Mm, I get that. Yeah, as a guideline. Um, because I, I tend to overthink, um, I couldn't be emergency medicine doctor, no, because you've got to think like that mm-hmm. and I get it. Um, I totally get it. Um, but I'm not that type of person. I'm the type of person who's like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> Let me see. I want to see what happens first. Give me time. You don't have time. <laughs> but this can happen. This can happen. This yeah. can happen. This can happen. That's how I think. I think of all the angles. And yeah. then I make my move. Um, but that's the thinking thing. That's not a gut thing, though. Right, right. And that's how, because that's how I think. I think here are all the different perspectives that somebody is, is. So, like, if I'm having a conversation where I don't agree with the person at all, that's fine. I don't have to agree with them. But I'm, I'm trying to see from the perspective. I'm trying to see the different angles on how they got to that conclusion, mm-hmm. um, how this research study got to this point, those different angles you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But that's not a gut thing for me. You know, that's a mind thing. Well, it's a it's, for me, it's a mind thing too. Um, but I got to make a decision, right? Yeah. So I have all these scenarios and I'm like, well, I don't know. I'm just going to go for it. Yeah. Um, and next time I know better. Next yeah. time, uh, if it's an unfamiliar thing, I'm going to overthink it for sure. Um, but if it's an unfamiliar thing and it's urgent and I have to freaking do it right now or, or something bad's going to happen, yeah. I'm going to... Based on my experience and what I know, I'm going to just do what I got to do. So that's that's how I move forward. Okay. Um, okay, what's number two? Number two for what? There was a list. You're, yeah, you said number one. This is... This oh, yeah. Is... Yeah, number one, go with your gut. Number okay. two, if, if you want to be empirical about it um, and, um, and comb through literature and, and, and do that kind of thing, if... It, Look at who's being paid to publish articles. Yeah. So that's a number one thing. Number two. Filtering out the articles. Yeah. Yeah. Filter that out. Um, Like, don't go to Wikipedia. Like, (laughs) right? Don't don't use Facebook as your, yeah. Yeah. And don't be. But what's hard is a lot of the research journals are, have in the old guard, like you talked about, 
are getting paid to push these articles through. Like, how do we, how do we filter that out? Um, it's really, um, understand the kind of journal you're looking at. Um, if it's the journal of, uh, Bigfoot, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and there's only one volume and it's the first edition and there is no, nothing published before or after that, um, then I would question it. I'm like, hmm. hmm. There's only one volume of this one journal and nothing else has been published from 10 years for 10 years. Then um, I, yeah, I have a hard time believing that. But if it's... Or could that be that launching pad for 100 years down the line, like we talked about earlier? Oh, it could be. You know? Uh, we, but we're not 100. We're not, we're we're not, not there, there yet. I, yeah. I, society I, isn't there yet. Yeah. Well, not society, but time-wise. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You would still need 100 years of research to be able to back that one research article up. And do you want to spend the time and energy on that? If you don't have the money to yes. even yes. do a wellness which is, study. Which is what we talked about before. <laughs> the lack of research funding. The lack of research funding. Yeah, I, I'm not going to spend my wheels. Yeah, no, for on, on that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's just like um, if, if, if you have, um, let me see. How would I explain to, if you have a, a journal that you're, you came across an article and you're like, I'm not sure if I believe this um, uh, or I have a question about it. Well, go look for other areas, other journals that have the same subject matter mm -hmm. and compare them. Um, and then or if you don't have the time to do that, look at that article's references and see where they got their information. Um, that is a telltale sign of if it will be a good study or not um, or how many times it was cited uh or yes or how many times it was yeah. cited um that is also a good indicator um but um but a lot of times people don't want to do that they don't want to spend the an hour of their day coming through references to see if a certain article is reputable or not right um and and that's okay i mean we all need to um dedicate our time to what is most important to us mm. and if what is most important to you is finding out if this is the best source of information then then yes go do it but if your priority is i have to homeschool my kids because the school's not open then your priorities are different and yeah. and you we're just trying to do what's best for the family yeah. right you know i respect all of that yeah um but how do we how do we create like a, a generation of people who aren't crazy <laughs> you know i don't know because you know? define crazy <laughs> you're absolutely right there's i've said this this entire time you're absolutely right you're absolutely right um but again like it's like if you have like today where you have tons of people looking at wrong sources and getting their information off of crazy ideas of I don't know, some far left or far right wing yeah. um, website that is posting things that just simply aren't true. I mean, that's that's creating kind of lunatics. That's creating, um, what do they call those? Uh, extremists. Extremists, yeah. Um, and there's there's a lot of that now where even some of my, a lot of my friends, honestly, people I know, um, friends are their friends, they, they post things and they talk to me about things. I'm just like, man, like, how did you get this far? Because I'm all about being open-minded. I want to learn more. 
But some of the things I'll follow up on and then look and like I'll tell them where'd you get the, I'll ask them where'd you get this information and then I'll follow up on it and Google that exact uh, site, find out where they got it and find out, okay, it's one dude who's way into things that have no basis for fact, mm-hmm. you know, so that's the start in my opinion of this kind of a lot of age of misinformation. Mm-hmm. How do we fix that? Or? Uh, yeah. How do we like, you can't fix it the because prior- there are always going to be, you know, people out there who are <clears throat> extremists. That's what keeps the world interesting. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> You're not wrong. And you have to respect their attitudes and opinions toward things because there is never going to be uh, a, a tried and true right answer. There is just a, a tried and true right answer for the individual. Hmm. And if you choose to believe something that is extreme and nonsensical, I respect you uh, for making that decision and standing by it. Yeah. Um, I may not agree, but yeah. um, you're still my friend. You're yeah, I'm, I'm definitely. Cray, cray, yeah, I'm, I'm, de- I'm definitely not saying like because that's why I'm, these people are still my friends. Like, I'm not like like I said before. We can disagree, yeah. and man, I must still have this conversation. Like I've sat here with people that I disagree with, and we've had this podcast and had this discussion on here. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool, man. I don't really agree, but that's cool. Whatever, whatever works, right? Um, but I guess I, I'm going to the step further of like, what if COVID was way more deadly as a novel virus, almost like the Black Plague. Mm-hmm. You, have the, you have the bubonic plague, and it's killing a third or it was two thirds of the population. I think it was a third of the world population at the time. Um, and then people don't want to do the things because they still think it's a hoax, you know, mm-hmm. that because of crazy ideas. You know, that that kind of gets to the point where your rights start infringing on my rights. And same, take mm-hmm. it from the mm-hmm. government mm-hmm. side. The government is infringing on my rights, mm-hmm. so why can't I be more free to do what I want? Mm-hmm. So it's like this: these all these just crazy, like not even crazy, just like polar opposite things yeah. that's causing a lot of division within our country today I, based on misinformation. I think culturally when you say infringing on your rights, that's a cultural nomenclature. Okay. Because if... In different countries, that wouldn't be considered. We we're crazy in the U.S. Yes, people are mad at us because we're we're the wild child right now. We, We've always been the wild child. <laughs> we're young. Always. We're we're like the teenager, right? The teenager yeah. of the world. Um, but other other countries run their their citizens a, a different way because their cultures are different. Yeah. For example, I have a friend who. Um, who has family in Taiwan. And he, he was telling me they, if you arrive in Taiwan, they will quarantine you for 14 days, whatever the time period is. Um, and they will pay for your room and board at a government, you know, hotel mm-hmm. or whatever. And, and whatever you need, they will go get it, like food, whatever. They will bring it to you. And it didn't cost anything. Um, but... In return, you have to follow the rules. You have to stay in that room. And when you're done with your quarantine, you have to register with them and then go to the place where you're going to stay. Um, and, and they will come and check on you. So, uh, but in the United States, it's not like that. Like in New York, they, they contacted me and they were like, are you going to stay? What's the address? Are you going to stay there? I'm like, yeah. Do you think I just stayed there the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> no. Probably not. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Um, no, we were doing stuff, you know, safely. We were doing stuff. Uh, but 
over there, it was like, no, you got to stay there and the officials are going to check on you. The same thing with my friend who went to Russia. She she had to be quarantined in, in Moscow for 14 days and the authorities came to check on them. Um, mm. It's a little bit different where she was able to go outside, you know, yeah. have some fresh air. Like you, you said previously, oh, you need a vitamin D, you need to get out of the house just to go in the backyard or whatever. Yeah. Amazing backyard, by the way. Thank you. That's why we moved here. <laughs> and that's another, like, that's a whole other topic about, okay, you would love this. It's called The Last Child in the Woods. It's a topic on um, nature deficit disorder. It's a researcher. He's a re- researcher or a journalist. I don't remember who it was, but he, he to, uh, gathered together all this information about how um, the age of technology has removed the major health facts of, of outside. Oh specifically gosh. within the kids. And he goes into how nature deficit disorder leads to type 2 diabetes and all these other chronic diseases that are, are rampant in our uh, uh, child population today. Oh, this is why we bought the house. Because I mean, we have trees that are hundreds of years old. The house is 130 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that brick walkway was built in the 1890s gosh. with the house, you know. It's like a, this house was around during the Spanish flu. You nice. Know? Mm-hmm. People who were here had the maybe they had the spanish i don't maybe know maybe they did i don't know yeah. i don't really care but the history of it and so we have a creek we have lovely trees we have a flower bed uh, we garden because I, i'm home I, I garden with my son i teach him hey like maybe teach we him, should yeah. risk analysis i teach them risk analysis and risk mitigation mm-hmm. and that's one of those things that has been taken away from our child population even our adult population oh yeah you know how do you manage risk the right way <laughs> Like, well, I've already caught three snakes here, you know, and what, uh, there's actually a funny story. Um, there was a snake, a big snake, probably that, was that, four feet, it. five feet, something like that. Um, that's a big snake. In our dryer. What? Yeah, in, the, in, the, in the fan of our dryer. I'm taking a spin. <laughs> <laughs> and so when I started the dryer, the fan uh, embedded itself into the snake. And so I thought it was dead. So I go the next day, take the thing apart, try and poke him out. I poke him and he moves. I'm like, oh no. And it smells like death in there because our laundry room is right next door. It sounds like he's wounded and it grew around him maybe. Uh, no, no, we didn't grow around him. Or um, it, he grew around the... Uh, so what happened was it, it wrapped around itself in the fan. Um, when I started the dryer, it it wouldn't start, which stabbed the snake, which its juices were coming out and that's what I was smelling. Mm. So I, I take him out of the dryer, finally get him out, realize he's alive. It's a really big snake. There was a video on it. Hilarious. I'm, I'm kind of like, I don't know what type of, I'm not really good at snake identifying. So I don't really know what type of snake it was. It was big. My kids were charging it. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm a little intense. I'm trying to get it out of the way. Um, all I to say, like I let my son, once I killed it, and even once I, when it was around, I let my kids stay around because I wanted them to understand risk analysis. Like how do we, how do we approach a situation safely instead of just yeah. making a safe space? Because uh-huh. the world is not safe. Yeah. And I even caught a garden snake the other day. And uh, I said, Ronan, come here. I was like, check this out. Held him in my hand, held him like this. Yeah. I was like, this is a snake. You got to be careful when you come around this. Like, look it, enjoy it, you know, keep your space. But it's it's part of risk analysis yeah. and risk mitigation. That's good. And this book talks all about that. That's really good. And that's why I bought this house for the backyard. Yeah, for the backyard. And, for- and we're out all the time. That's really so, great. You have to, you would find this book fast. In fact, I should just let you borrow it because yeah, it's amazing. So. I love to read. It's amazing. Oh my gosh. Big, yeah, book nerd. Yeah, well, of course, you're in research. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I'm sorry. Back to COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Back to COVID. Because oh. that's the hot topic today. I think people are honestly tired. 
they're, they're, they're just tired of, they're, they're ready things to get back to a place where they can feel free again. There's, you know? there's a, uh, a theory, uh, a disaster theory that disasters are, the human can only take about six months of disaster. Uh, and then after that, we're like, we're done, we're ready. So we're at that point. Um, What's that theory called? Is it called disaster theory? I yeah, I just googled disaster yeah. theory, but yeah, check your sources. <laughs> <laughs> Misinformation. Make sure they're reputable. Uh, but yeah, you got this off of Wikipedia. Sorry. Yeah, no, there's a legit theory out there, and there's books on it. Um, uh, um, I don't know a lot, but I know enough to say that the theory is that six months is about the time that the human body and the brain uh, are like okay, like we're done. You know, I'm ready to move on with my life, but we're not, we're not there yet. Um, and so we're you don't, fatigued. You don't think, you don't think COVID, like we're ready to be done with COVID or you don't think we're the, we're not at the six month mark. Which we, one do you think? We are past the six month mark. Yeah. For sure. So you don't think COVID should be taken lightly anymore? It still needs to be taken very seriously. Yes. yes. Yeah. 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 I think it should be taken seriously for sure. Oh, definitely. Um, and uh, until we know more. Um, I mean, we know a whole bunch more than we did at the yeah. very beginning. And so I, knowing what we know now, would you still, con- would you, like if you were advising the president, would you still say that we need to lock down and we need to shut all the businesses down and stuff like that? I don't think we need to lock down. No. I do think we need to remain vigilant and um, responsible in our actions. And anybody who is disrespectful in that regard should be um find maybe mm. uh um, like the yeah. the so previously i was telling you about people who were going around knowing they were covid positive yeah. and going to different places purposely spreading it purposely spreading it so that kind of behavior should yes. be fined um but the i mean i don't want to give anybody a false sense of security or this and that because we still don't know a lot of things but mm. I um I do think that we can get to a a new normal where we're respecting each other um and and if it's okay like I came in with my mask mm-hmm. um because I want to respect your house mm-hmm. and that's the respectful thing to do because you don't know where I've been mm-hmm. um and I just want you to feel comfortable to say, hey, you know, take my, like my girlfriend's like, no, just take it off, girl. I already, <laughs> I already know you're safe. You, you do it. <laughs> and, and she was my BFF who just came back from Russia. She, she self-imposed quarantine for 14 days to make sure she was all right. Um, and that's how we're all kind of running, or at least my bubble yeah. is running. Um, we, we're just going to do that um, because we don't know. And we're in research and we're just like, you know. This guy saying, nah, nah, nah. Yeah. I'm just going to go by my experience now. Um, but other people are not as experienced and they will do things purposely or even in, inadvertently. And even when you're like, ah, no, thank you. They, they still want to have that. Um, they still want to engage in a negative kind of talk to you like, no, well, you know, well, you're not this and you're not that. And I'm not this. So why should I care? I'm like. Yeah. Okay. Why well, I gotta go? <laughs> yeah. So, and that's that's it's kind, of, it's kind of when you bring that point out. Like, this is why I started this podcast because I wanted to have these dis- these discussions with people and like be totally cool with taking a different stance with from somebody and it being okay mm-hmm. and spreading that idea. Hey, you can totally disagree with somebody and it not attack their personal character. Mm-hmm. 
And that is perfectly okay. Mm -hmm. I wonder if sometimes like with COVID and specifically Texas. Texas wild. Texas wild. Yeah. Specifically with COVID. um, I wonder if people act out like this because they're afraid of losing the freedom, which that fear of losing the freedom of their rights is technically a prison. So freedom has become the prison, which is kind of a funny irony. No, it is an irony. It is absolutely because uh, the same thing with people losing their jobs, like people who I perceived as like well off, um, they are making money. Yeah. Um, And then all of a sudden COVID hits and they lose their job. But nobody said anything. So-and-so lost their job and I got to work double shift. Nobody said that to me until later on. And I'm just like, what? You got those problems too? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they had a struggle because they've never been um i guess without yeah um going back to the point of you really didn't need that really did you you know yeah. we're learning all the things that we can live without yeah which um, i'm super excited about <laughs> and so people are learning that and i'm like no uh so you know this idea of new rich and old rich you know, like old money, new money, old money, kind yeah. of. Well, uh, old poor, no new poor. We old poor. Yeah. <laughs> we got this. Yes. <laughs> we know we can live very frugally and be totally fine. Yes, yeah. yes. And I'm just like, it's the simple pleasures in life that give you the most yeah. fulfillment. And in in the material things are not a big deal. But they're a big deal to somebody who's always had things given to them. And I'm like well that's wonderful i i wish i was you Mm. um then come to find out they had lost their job and the other the 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 spouse had to take double shifts and and they were they're losing their house they're losing cars they can't pay for tuition for their kids to go to this fancy private school uh so that kind of thing yeah Yeah. you can live without that yeah it's kind of funny like there's my entire life i've worked with or at least my uh, much I like my entire career in healthcare, uh, which is seven years roughly. I've worked with people who have made double, triple, quadruple what I've made, right? Um, but I always seem to have me more too. money in the bank. It made no sense to me. Like, I we live very minimally, have always have. Um, we don't, we don't have any debt now, even now, and we have like we have that emergency fund, just the typical, like practical things, like mm-hmm. if, if shit hits fan. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Okay, it's okay. We have this emergency fund. We're not in debt. We're, we should be good. Um, and then there's people who make a lot more money than me who who are stressing their minds out mm-hmm. when they don't have any money because they yes. live that way. Yeah. So, like, they're they're one firing away from being bankrupt and being losing everything. Like, how do we as a society, like, fix that? like teach? Again, this is back to my mind of let's just fix everything. You know, I want to fix it all. Um which is, you can't fix I know, it. I know. And I, I've had to let go of that, which is earlier we talked about living in the, in the world of gray. Yeah. You just got to live in the gray. It's the world is not black and white. Mm-hmm. It, it is very gray. Mm-hmm. And I think the sooner people realize that the easier it's going to be, which yeah. is hard. Like it's very hard for somebody like me who, and you who want to fix these injustices mm-hmm. that are plaguing our society financially in the healthcare industry, everything, you know? Yeah, I know. I, I do want to fix things, but uh, my experience teaches me, and sometimes you need to use experience as your teacher, Yes. Um, that um, there are things you can, can control for and things you cannot, which is, again, one of our research. It's a research thing, too. 
you have your controls and you have your unknowns. Um, but the more you can control for, um, the theory is the better experiment you'll have. It doesn't really happen that way. But most of the, uh, the really good stuff that happens happens because you messed up. Mm. So if, if anything, I would say make mistakes. What's that? Uh, did you ever watch Magic School Bus? No. It's, so I, I was homeschooled all my life, right? That's why I love learning. Awesome. I think that's what it was. Either way, I, I love learning. Um, I, I got to do so much cool stuff when that's I was so homeschooled. Cool. I loved yeah. it so much. Um, and that's why I think even now, because I was homeschooled, like I have, I have a strong passion to continue learning because yeah. it's not, it wasn't a burden for me because I loved it. And my parents made it a lot of fun. That's awesome. Um, anyways, there was a show we used to always watch for in grade school as part of our science and it was called magic school bus and uh, magic school bus was a, it was a teacher who had a magic school bus and they would take their kid, the kids in the classroom on these crazy adventures. They would, the mm. magic school bus could shrink and go inside a flower and become a bee. They could go out in outer space. And so it gave you like these really different perspectives. Then it was just a fun show to watch. Now it laid a foundation for science for me. Yeah. One show did. And wow. her, every, every intro was, uh, make mistakes, get messy. Mm. And, uh, I gosh, I can't believe I forgot the rest of the motto, but it was, she said it every episode. And today I, to, we apply that, like make mistakes because that makes you better at what you do. Mm-hmm. You know, hopefully it doesn't cost somebody's life, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. And typically like making mistakes is part of life and it makes you way better at what you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it, the point is also make mistakes. It makes you better in your craft. But uh, don't beat yourself up um, if if something doesn't go the way you wanted it to. Yeah, and that's that that's a hard rec- reconciliation to do with yourself. Yeah. But um, just know that there was there was something out there that was that was stopping you from from doing whatever, uh, and um, it, it it's it it'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. It'll so be fine. changing gears here a little bit. Um, what are your passions? My passion. You as for in specifically in research, like there's a reason why you got into research. I know you love the brain. I know like that's it seems like everything you want to talk about is the brain. Even the even the small text with like I sent you those maybe things we might talk about. You're like yes, the brain. Yeah. So why yes, the brain? Why yes, the brain? The brain. Okay. So, um, so when I got pregnant with my son, I was. This was a whole new thing to me. I mean, I knew how to get pregnant and stuff. Oh, that yeah. wasn't new. <laughs> Wait, you know how to get pregnant? That what? wasn't new, right? Oh, my goodness. But the actual going through that process, it's a beautiful thing. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. Mm. It's like awesome. <laughs> and I, I wish I was able to have more. But, I mean, I had a wonderful time. It was a great pregnancy. Um, I was young. It was fantastic. And, and now it's, I was learning. I'm like, okay. So what comes first? Oh, the heart and the brain are the first things to, because they got to communicate. You know, the heart is going to pump the blood, but the brain's got to tell the heart what to do. Hmm. And so that, you know, those are your two things that kind of run the body. Um, like if I cut off my arm, I can live without my arm. Mm. You know, I can't live without my torso. <laughs> I can't live without my head. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so that was fascinating to me. Um, and, uh, and, and years later, you get into research, and I, I make friends with the really great people who are neuroscientists, and I start making connections to like my everyday life, to what they were studying, mm. and I'm like, 
oh, you're studying this? Well, well I mean, I always thought of it in, in this way, but this, I, you're taking it to the next level, so I want to know more about it. And one of the interesting studies um, that never made it out of the IRB was um, an IRB is Institutional Review Board, and they're like the gatekeepers of like what is ethical and not for human subject research. And uh, it never made it through the IRB. And it was because um, the theory was if you drink so many bottles or so many glasses of red wine, it will help reduce the chances of, of um, Alzheimer's or it will delay it. So that was, that was the concept. If you drink so many glasses of red wine, which is like 58 in one sitting, then something happens in the blood brain barrier that, I don't know. That uh, reduces or delays the, the Alzheimer's. And you were you were were you a part of the study? No, I was not. It was my friend who was a okay. Yeah, that was his his study, and then uh, my other friend reviewed it because she was in the RV. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! And she's like, "Tell me, blah 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 blah," and I'm like, "Dude, I mean." I'm down for it. Oh my god! <laughs> I'll drink the red wine. <laughs> oh, dude, I'll be a st- study subject. Come right. on, let's go. No, it's a certain enzyme in the red wine that you can take in a pill, uh, pill format or pill, yeah, in a tablet. Uh, and if you take so much of that dosage of it, then then it's preventative for Alzheimer's. That was the theory. Really? Yeah, but he was like, no, you. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not trying to make y'all drink 58 glasses of wine. Huh. <laughs> I'm just I'll, saying this. I'll do it. I got a high tolerance. I don't know. It was an enzyme or a protein. Probably a protein. Uh, protein in the in the red wine that it, whatever. And was it a, an acute thing that happened or was it more of a chronic time that would, that was going to uh, make this result? Like if you no, so- it was preventative. It would be preventative. So okay. so if you have a family history of Alzheimer's, you you know you probably eventually you going to wind up with some kind yeah. of some form of dementia. And maybe Alzheimer's. Have you gotten much into epigenetics? No. Okay. No, I have not. I love it. No, no, none of that. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? Uh, It it sounds very complicated. (laughs) (laughs) Just because I said genetics? Come on, man. I said epigenetics. Epigenetics. Okay. All right, whatever. Continue with your Alzheimer's story. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So, um, anyway, uh, yeah, if you have those kind of... um, family history and blah 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 uh so suffice to say that he didn't get um that pass through the irb and my friend was like uh circling back with me and saying can you believe this and i'm like yeah i can believe it because you're crazy <laughs> but he's still my friend <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah yeah i still yeah he's a great person and she, she is she's my bff your so. bff mm-hmm. the russian yeah. the one goes to not russian but the one that goes to russia yeah 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 and uh so it, our worlds are small, and um, and and we tend again uh, consensus thinking. So now I'm switching back to psychology. A okay, bit. so we're, uh, consensus thinking. Define that again, because I don't know if that'll come back from the pre what we lost. So consensus thinking is a group. It's kind of like groupthink. Um, it's a group of people thinking the same thing to fit their the paradigm that's happening currently. Uh, so, yeah, and. Um, but that's a whole podcast in and of itself. Yeah, it is. It is. And that's one of the things uh, you learn in psychology is mm. that kind of group think um, and um, how it can be dangerous. There was a study um, 
it where a lady in in new york was attacked brutally and she was screaming and screaming and this went on for a, a while and a bunch of the neighbors heard it happening nobody said anything Golly. and then she laid there for a couple of hours and she bled out or whatever and still nobody oh my goodness so uh, so the group think of that neighborhood was like i'm not gonna deal with it it's not my problem so this lady died and that killer got away and it was a member of that community that they all knew but everybody's like oh you know here nothing here no evil see no evil kind of thinking that that is consensus thinking and because of that that lady died Mm. um and um, and that that concept plays into so much it does especially in covid right now yeah it does it before covid um it was widely known as bystander effect the bystander 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 effect Mm. you're gonna stand by and not do anything you saw it with the police videos of Mm. the bystander effect you know the other officers are standing around while this one officer is actively murdering somebody so bystander effect doesn't matter what happened just don't kill people <laughs> I'm just saying yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's not ethical, you know. Yeah. Um, but that's that is my definition of consensus thinking. It okay. can be it can be a good thing um, because when a group has a really good idea and they want to push forward and it's a project, it's an initiative, it's a it's a revolution, and it, it, you're gonna have good outcomes. That, that's great. We want people on board. That's kind of like a, there was a guy I was listening to on some documentary. Again, I, this is a, a, uh, I, I can't tell you the source, but this was, it left an impression on me. Like this guy from the Holocaust, it was a Jew from the Holocaust, I think it was a Jew or somebody who lived during mm-hmm. Hitler's reign. He was interviewed about what it was like to be a part of like the Hitler speeches and how he, uh, like how could he get to where everybody thought it was okay to, to do the Holocaust pretty much. Like mm-hmm. we look at it back now and, think, oh, how could a society ever do that? But one, it happens all the time, unfortunately, throughout history. Mm-hmm. Mass genocides happen regularly, mm-hmm. and most people don't do much about it. Um, but he, he kind of broke it down. Like, like when you're in, at first, it didn't start with just, hey, let's kill all the Jews. It started with um, these small speeches, and then the speeches grew larger and larger mm-hmm. and larger. It was an idea that kind of started from a small seed, right? Mm-hmm. That's typically how it goes. <clears throat> and he said, he was, you know, growing up, I was never like that. Like, I was never okay with any of that. Um, and he was looking back at it now, I can see that happening. I can see why I was like that. But when you get in these speeches with Hitler, who was very persuasive and everybody's roaring, there's mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of people all chanting the same thing, Heil Hitler, Heil Hitler, with their with their hands and palms raised with the, you know, uh, the the sign for, yeah. what is that called? Swastika. What is, what is this? When you, Heil Hitler, the hot, the... It's just the gosh, salute. The salute, yeah, the German salute at that time. Um, when you have hundreds of thousands of people doing that, like it's easy to yeah. get caught up. And then another documentary I was watching was talking about how in the group think mentality, when you're in a large group, your neurons actually yeah. try and like uh, align yeah. with the group. Yeah. Because like physically. We're, we're social beings. Yeah. And but that takes it to a whole other level. Yeah. Like like our, our, our the unimind, like Toy Story. 
Remember <laughs> the little green guys? Yeah. The, the claw. <laughs> Same thing. But that's what led to the Holocaust mm-hmm. when you think about it. One guy being super persuasive, mm-hmm. um, aligning the neurons of an entire population, smallly or slowly but surely, mm-hmm. creating a mass genocide. Yep. So, um, yep, that was a huge mistake. <laughs> you think? <laughs> yeah. A lot of lives lost, and we should learn from it. Yeah, but that, that's another thing. Like, we, in the moment, this is, a, this is the guy who they interviewed says, in the moment, man, like, you don't realize what's happening until... Mm-hmm. You get out of World War II, and you're like, "Oh my you gosh!" You look back, and you're like, "What was I a part of?" Uh huh. And now I'm being prosecuted for stuff I did. Uh, hence Nuremberg trials. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yep. That 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 happens. Mm-hmm. And then the world changes for the better because of it. At least we were hoping that it didn't change overnight. Yeah. And things are still changing. And I I still have a pretty pessimistic view on a lot of stuff. <laughs> I don't know if that's I don't know why. I, I didn't. You know, when I finally came out of the healthcare field, I kind of felt like I could kind of breathe again um, because of how my perspective on what I was doing. I thought I was doing everything that was saving lives. And it's just not the case. Like, there's so much injustice that still happens oh, yeah. in the healthcare field, in the research field, um, in medicine. And again, my. Uh, my optimistic view is just I want to fix it all. Yeah, that's a, a, a good view to have. I'm more pessimistic, um, realistic, and I get shit for it all the time. <laughs> well, now I'm like that. Now I'm more pessimistic about everything than anything, you know? Yeah. But then I wasn't. Uh, no, no, I'm like, I'm standard. Like my, base, my baseline is <laughs> pessimistic, realistic at best. Um, because yeah, I know the world sucks. Yeah. <laughs> the world sucks. And, uh, I just want to make it better for the next generation. And, yeah. you know, that's all, that's what I want to do. Um, and my small piece will hopefully inspire my nieces and mm-hmm. my youths and, and my kids, you know, and their kids whenever they have them to, to, to know that this is possible. Because when I was growing up, I didn't see that possible for me. And nobody, everybody kept telling me that's not possible for you. I'm like, you know, <laughs> throwing the finger. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it, yeah. like you said previously that it, somebody tells you not to do something that makes me want to do it more. Yes. yes. He was like, so don't tell me not to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Same thing for my kid. I can't tell him not to do it. My- so is your, is your professorship uh, like, is that part of it? Is Do you see that kind of you investing into yes. new doctors? So, so what I'm striving to is a, a tenure. Okay. Um, and That's when awesome. your professor, it's tenure. Mm-hmm. Your ten, well, at least you, I want to be tenure track. So I'm working mm-hmm. to be tenure track. Um, is that a medical school, right? That's at the med- the wow. new medical school. Okay. Yes, and uh, very fortunate. I was not expecting that to happen, and I'm like, what? So let me make make it. I, I've achieved my goals in 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 life um at least what i felt were i was done Mm -hmm. and then this opportunity comes up and i'm like well there could be something now it's time to give back Mm -hmm. because i've been focused on myself i've been focused on my kid i've been focused on making ends meet yeah my 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 maslow's pyramid i was you know at the bottom 
<laughs> food, shelter, yes. check. Job, <laughs> check. And then I just stayed at a job because yep. I needed food and shelter. Yes. So, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I stayed in the bottom two. Uh-huh. Um, I, and then um, I didn't think about this, but uh, kids grow up. <laughs> yeah. I'm not looking forward to that. And, and yeah. And so I didn't think about it that way. And nobody told me, hey, one day your kid's going to leave. Mm. And then what are you going to do with yourself? <laughs> yeah. And and I had to come to that realization. Like, oh, crap. What do I do now? Yeah. Um, my life has been wrapped up around making sure he gets a, a, a good education and, and making sure he has what he needs. Um, and, and, and my husband and I met and he helped me out and I helped him out. And we raised both of our kiddos. Uh, and then... All of a sudden, they're grown. <laughs> All of a sudden, so watch out, Caleb. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> my four-year-old and my one-year-old, man, it's, you I need can't. to enjoy this. Oh, I am. Yeah. That's why I'm every, not saying you don't. But yeah, yeah, no, I. It's like I'm. That's why I'm so excited that I get to be a stay-at-home yes. dad right now. Like I, there's, I feel like this is the greatest thing. It's the greatest job in the world. Like, yeah. Where I am right now, oh. being able to just hang out with my kiddos, and. Teach them these just yes. random stuff. Hey, let's go garden. Hey, this is what a flower looks like when it's sick. Touch it, feel it, feel it with your senses. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I know. <sighs> and you have the homeschool background, so you can homeschool yeah. them. Yeah. Oh my gosh! If I um, and I say this, and and I know a lot of people are not in that mindset or don't have the resources, but I wanted to homeschool my son mm-hmm. because the public schools were awful and I didn't have money to send them to private school at the yeah. time. And I'm thinking, this is really messed up. I want to keep them home. But the circumstances surrounding me uh, dictated that it cost a lot of money to get registered with the state and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm just a single parent. Or, yeah. you know, I can't do that. Yeah. But when he came home, I would reteach him things, um, mm. math and science in particular, um, because those were awful the public <laughs> schools are awful about teaching that so uh i was fortunate in that he sat still long enough for something to sink in wow. yeah and, and that's he, huge he's good at math he's good at science i'm like ah, but he's gonna be a milkman okay <laughs> <laughs> and that's that, that's kind of something we have to like kind of come to a realization with like the kids are gonna do whatever they mm-hmm. want no matter what you do with them right i can't know? tell him yeah i told him to go to school he didn't <laughs> You know, <laughs> maybe not yet. Maybe one day he exactly. might he might be like, hey, like there's some value to this. Maybe I, maybe I do kind of want to do this. Yeah. Or maybe he'll be a milkman. The rest of, that's totally cool. Yeah, it's you know? fine because because he's your son. In the world of COVID, no, <laughs> anything goes. <laughs> no, like no, legit. I, I just need him to be happy and to mm-hmm. fly on his own. Yeah. And to make his own decisions without my influence. Yeah. Um, because I try not to hover, but he's my only, I mean, he's my only biological one and I'm like just hovering, but I, I, I quit that a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> so earlier we were talking about how like, uh, in our experience with a lot of doctors, a lot of physicians, but they're not really, they're, they're physicians. They, they try and get the job done to try and teach, mm-hmm. to try and, uh, make people more healthy to save their lives, but they're not really scientists. Um, mm-hmm. they are it's, 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 that's a separation. Um, and then we got into how a lot of doctors and physicians, uh, 
kind of just treat the signs as symptoms because mm-hmm. that's what they were taught. Mm-hmm. Um, and that goes back to where they're taught in the medical school. And mm-hmm. now you're in a medical school teaching. Mm-hmm. Is that play a factor in how you teach? I don't, I don't even know. I don't know what you teach or what, what your role is, but mm-hmm. does that play a factor in, in you kind of trying to shift some of that, I, those ideas? So this is interesting um, that you say that. And, and I just want wonder how much you know about the new medical school. I don't. So the new medical school is uh, teaching a class of doctors, and this is their first class. Fall is their second class. Like so second semester? Second, no, second set of, second cohort of students. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so yeah, first years. That's wow, very already? first year. Very first year, yeah. So no, that's second crazy. years are coming. I, wow, I remember whenever it was a, getting launched. I felt like that was not that long ago. Yeah, it was not that wow. long last year. Of course. <laughs> uh, it is, um, it's interesting because they're they're trying to put empathy. They they call them empathetic scholars. And is it, did our research study yes. on empathy play a role in that? I I don't know, but it is an influencer. Really, uh, I like that term, influencer. Influencer. It's an influencer. <laughs> uh, That's good to know because uh, we've already done this. Um, I mean, we know it's working. We know it's true. Um, and uh you so, know you know what's true like empathy being oh yeah being like yeah just you need doctors were not taught to be empathetic yeah. <laughs> they're just signs and symptoms yeah medicine there you go back uh, that's it <laughs> please don't please don't come back <laughs> yes. oh my gosh yes don't come back just fix it and go home yes. yeah just uh, <laughs> that's another that's another topic yeah yeah the whole other, <laughs> other, other situation but am i right, right? Oh, yeah. so yeah so the whole thing is like oh you're, you yeah you're teaching to be more empathetic because that's something that our, our dogs didn't learn same thing with nurses and with emts paramedics mm-hmm. like it, it was here's my here's my issue like i get the empathy because at the beginning of my career i was very empathetic towards the end just like at the beginning like uh what was it first year residents super empathetic? Second year residents did hmm. tanks a lot, yeah. and then towards the end of your third year as a resident in the ER, it starts getting better, yeah. and you kind of find a balance. Yeah, find a balance, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, like, I, it was hard for me to be empathetic whenever I was trying to protect my own emotions oh, yeah. and being super jaded because you have to be jaded to do emergency medicine. You, you have, have to, to be. yeah. There's, There's no way. There, yeah, you have to. So this is is this a tricky. Fine line. Yeah. That's 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 what I'm hearing from you. It's a fine line. And yeah, you can get all in your feels about it. Um, but a lot of physicians and professionals, even my cousin, uh, they compartmentalize. Even I do yeah. to a certain extent. And that's where my friend with the red wine, mm-hmm. he tells me, is that your other personality coming out? Because <laughs> he says I have different personalities. Uh, He's like, I have my caring personality, I have my analytical, and then I have, you know, yeah. whatever. He's like, which one is this one? <laughs> so when you gave me wine for. <laughs> <laughs> when you gave me wine for. Give me more of that. Give me more of that, please. <laughs> but yeah, you have to. Um learn and and i'm hoping because my role as in my assistant professorship is uh mentoring these students um and to teach them or to contribute to the teaching of empathy um that's what i'm Hmm. moving towards um and 
I have one student who was not. Yeah. He's, he's a little bit of a jerk. Yeah. Um, but well, unfortunately, a lot of the, the residents that I've met, I've started working with, especially the first year, they're very book smart. Mm-hmm. But like they just some things just don't click. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to like. Is how, do you see that at all? Where mm-hmm. a lot of the first year residents, I mean, even the second, getting the second mm-hmm. year. Sometimes their entire person just doesn't click to being a doctor. It's very book smart, but they don't have common sense to apply it. Yeah, they're babies. How do you, how do you, how do you, Baby doctors. as an assistant professor working with empathy and, and being a mentor, how does that come into play in what you do? Um, so you got to push them out of the nest. Yes. You've got to get them into something really deep where they've never been there before and let them flounder. You got to push them because you don't know what their range is until you've tested them yeah and then once you get their baseline then you can kind of hone in on what the deficiencies are or what their strong points are or what you can play up that will balance out and you could do it in a way where they don't even realize it um, which is kind of crazy uh, but mm. just keep yourself centered and yeah. make sure you're not doing anything unethical how, how do you teach common sense because you have common you sense you don't have you can't teach common sense okay that's my point because a lot of these 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 ones i've worked with um it seems like the majority of them don't have that they have they're very book smart but they don't have comments on how to apply it Mm -hmm. they don't know how to even talk to patients yeah i know yeah um you but uh, is that is that a common sense it's not a common sense issue um i think it's an experience issue if you if you've spent all your life in school and you went straight from undergrad to medical school you got four years bachelor's four years of your medical school, and sometimes there's a year gap between medical school yeah. and uh, bachelor's, which sometimes you need to have a master's to be able to get competitive exactly. enough to be able to get into these medical schools. And then you have a three-year residency just for ER. Just for ER. So other like ortho is five years. Oh my God, five, well, so there's a, it's a general surgery, first five years of general surgery, and then a five-year mm-hmm. ortho, like if you want to do ortho trauma, it's another five oh, yeah. years mm-hmm. past your general residency. Cardiology, forget it. <sighs> Did you know? I think I think it's gastroenterology is the most paid doctor. Gastroenterology is it gastroenterology or urology? Huh. Because of how complex like the kidneys are, I and you're, you're in the urine, urine, your urinary tract system. I get that for urology for sure. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I know a urologist. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Smart yeah. guys. Yeah, they're smart. Yeah, but he doesn't have common sense. Okay, so that's my issue. Like, <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like you are in a pivotal role at this at this uh, college you, at this medical you get school. Get to shape them, but you have to do it in a way that's ethical. <laughs> <laughs> that you're not, you know, like mind fucking them. I mean, <laughs> yes, yes. But like, so what is your strategy in an ethical way? Okay, I am curious though. If it was not ethical, how would you do it? If it was not ethical, if you, if you could do it however the I hell you wanted, I don't know because. <laughs> I mean, I'm like super curious. Stuff. I tried. I, I, previously, I alluded to I would try things out on my son and see what would happen. Uh, uh, I mean, I really could have seriously messed him up. <laughs> that's why he's a milkman. <laughs> right. That's, that's why he doesn't do anything I say anymore. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. But that's also a mom thing, too. Uh, but it's a pair of things. I don't know which is heavier. Anyway. Um, but, um, how do I do it in a way where it's not crazy, cuckoo, caca, crazy, right? (laughs) Um, uh, you let their experience teach them. You let them go out into the world or, for example, if you have a resident and 
hates talking to patients or is not good at it, what do you do? Have them go make rounds in the waiting room, take vitals, do something where they have to talk to the patient and the visitor. Exposure to that. And that's a psychology thing. You just kind of expose oh, it's like behavior yeah. therapy. So of. here's my issue though. Like these these residents who come out, they come out with an MD or a DO. Mm-hmm. Why would they ever listen to somebody who's an EMT or a nurse or who has only been in school two years instead of their eight? So you tell their attending. <laughs> okay. Do so what they say. Yeah, but some of the, a lot of the attendings feel the same way. So find the right attending <laughs> on the right shift. <laughs> You gotta navigate the yeah. system. Oh, I know. And live I know. In the I've gray. done that. I've yeah. done that sometimes. But it's hard, man, because like, like, the the so many of this culture of uh, doctors and PhD. Typically, I've noticed it's mainly the doctors. The, the the entire scope of MDs. There's only a handful of doctors that aren't like this, and I've worked with hundreds of them. Like, they have this mindset that their degree is everything. Like they are, they are the one making this final. They are the God. They are yeah. God making. Yeah, they're God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, got you. Totally. So when your supervisor, the attending, has this mindset, and then they're kind of teaching this mindset to a first year resident right out of medical school, has zero common sense on how to apply all that they just learned. Mm-hmm. You're kind of making a perfect storm for killing patients. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Because you're not wanting to learn. Right. Again, this is me, somebody, I'm a peon. I don't oh, have a medical degree, right? right? I mean, I'm just, but hear, hear me out. Like, I, I'm I'm a nobody, quote unquote, in the world of medicine. That is that me is too. a culture. You and me both. Yeah. Okay, that is the culture. Bottom line, because we don't have that MD behind our name. Now you are probably <laughs> you're probably one of the smartest person I know, people I know, That's because so, so you have you have two master's degrees. Um, you dedicate your entire life to research. That alone, being a lifelong student, is massive. Like that is huge, but the people who come out of these just just so non common sense school is a major issue, mm-hmm. and I've seen I've seen that kill a lot of people. There was there was one resident. Um, if the nurse didn't catch her, mm-hmm. she was going to kill this patient because mm-hmm. she wanted to reset this the person's uh, pacemaker with a magnet. <laughs> so she, she she immediately went in with a, a magnet. No, <laughs> walked into the patient. And was a, had it over her chest, just about to do it. And the, the nurse was like, what are you doing? Because, you know, typically we have to, yeah. the, the typical process is it's you, you, get, you get interrogated. Yeah. Yes. You have to talk to the cardiac monitor, yes. blah, blah, blah. You don't just reset the pacemaker. No. That was somebody who came in as a first year resident and just like, yeah, I got this. So it's, it's that I got this. Nobody can teach me anything because I have the MD behind my name. That's my issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, like the urologist I know, um, he is he, he's a smart person and um, no common sense. Great doctor. But when it comes to human relationships, it's like this, his thinking and his concept of what it should be. It's like not it's like we're, we're like here on Earth. Where are you? Yeah. <laughs> because what you're trying to do is really you're hurting my feelings, honestly. Um, and, 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 and I have to tell you that because you're not empathetic enough to see that your words cut and you're cutting me. And so stop saying that when, when it comes to a point where you can't even tell within your friends that you're hurting their feelings, that's, that's an issue. And, and, and I get it. Maybe I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent, but that's kind of 
it, it happens with the new doctors. Mm. It happens with the older doctors. Um, I don't know. It just depends on the environment you were raised in, the environment that nurtured you. Um, again, the, their experience has probably been they've they've been top achievers and you get a trophy and you, yeah, it's congratulations all the time, even just for participating. Um, they were maybe never, um, never faced adversity in some form or fashion. So they didn't get a chance to learn how to make mistakes. And so they always yeah. had to do, even if they made a mistake, it was never acknowledged. They were like, no, just keep going. That's why I'm going in with the magnet. I'm going to reset this thing because <laughs> I got it. Because all my life, everybody's told me that I'm perfect and I yeah. everything I do is the right thing to do. But I know that in medical school, that's not necessarily the case. It's, it's not always like, good job. It, it, medical school is one of the most rigorous, mm -hmm. if not the most rigorous uh, schools you can take because it's 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 intense. Am I right? It's intense, but it's I've intense. never been there. I know, right? I know. I um, but <sighs> but I, I also know that there are students... Who will get by? Um, and the way they do that is they make others do their work for them. Um, whether hmm. it's another student or whether it's like they have somebody who is um, their their safety net, mm -hmm. whether it be family or, or um, a system that's behind them. That's like, okay, if you don't get it, I'll help you with it and I'll push you forward. Um, do you think the, the, the professors and the teachers – have a lot of pressure on them too to be able to get these students through that some of that is left yeah. by the wayside because they have pressure on them because okay you spent how how many thousands do you know how many thousands of dollars it, it takes for one student to go through medical school like that the university is is putting in i don't know because this first cohort of students at the new medical school they had all of their expenses and tuition paid i did hear about that somebody yeah. somebody uh did this massive grant yeah Mm -hmm. wow. So I don't know. I know it's super expensive. Yes. Like the, the the university's actually paying for these students. Like they they invest in these students a lot of money. So they it's against their interest, again, conflict of interest. It's against their interest mm -hmm. for a medical student to fail. Well, yeah, and in universities and colleges um do have that you need to be a business and make money and generate re yeah. revenue. Yeah. So yeah, I get that. I don't know how prevalent it is because um, I've, I've never been in medical school, mm -hmm. so I don't know. Uh, but I can imagine that, yeah, there is pressure to do that. Even in community colleges, there is pressure to, yes. to, yeah, have attrition is, is low, um, and, and graduation and employment rates are high You mm -hmm. need to keep that going. Um, but, uh, I, I don't have an answer for that. I mm -hmm. just, I just know that, you know. It makes sense. Yeah. Just push them through. It's, it's a, they're on a cycle. Yeah. And a, another way that I've heard it phrased is that don't worry if you get a little bit behind, we're all on the same conveyor belt, conveyor belt and you're going to get there. Huh. And how they get there, <laughs> I don't know. Do you think that's the right way to look at it? It is not the right way to look at it. You should pass fail based on your you, the whole person that you are. Hmm. Not because you're on a conveyor belt. And it, just, just because you fall behind. It's okay because something will happen and it'll take you along. Somebody's going to help you. So in your in your experience with working with all these doctors and research, being an assistant professor, um, there's a big difference in how MDs are taught mm -hmm. and DOs. Mm -hmm. 
but MDs are far more likely to get a residency than DOs. Um, where did you find that? Because um, that was that was from quite a few students that I I, I spoke with, and they said don't go DO because a lot of residencies like MDs more. Like when you look at it, the majority of even the residency residents you have looked have worked with yeah, are no, no, MDs, yeah, they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, DOs are taught more of a holistic mm-hmm. approach. MDs are very science and symptoms men, mindset. And that's, again, that's just, it's just a different way of looking at medicine. I agree more with the DO holistic approach. Okay. What's your socioeconomic status? What are you eating? What are you, are you, are you going outside, getting your vitamin D? Are you deficient in anything? Let's look at the entire picture yes. and then make a decision. But it's kind of funny how the system seems to bring down the holistic approach as a whole, mm-hmm. right? Um, most of our diagnostic, diagnostic mentalities are very, what is happening today? Mm-hmm. We don't need to necessarily worry about what's happening in the past. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's worry about today. But that's not a good approach because that's not how health works. Have you, do you know much? Uh, yes. Um, so all my doctors growing up, and, and I was very fortunate that my parents knew the difference, or at least my mom knew the difference, um, that my, my, my pediatrician or my family doctors, they were all DOs because that's what she understood. Mm-hmm. She wanted a more holistic kind of health care. Um, and... Uh, again, I, I thank my mom for that because she she really put it into my dad's head and, and raised us to understand that it's, this is a whole body going on here. It's just like it's sign symptoms. That's great. But it's because you're doing this, <laughs> right? So stop yeah, doing that, yeah. you know, stop hitting yourself, you know, kind yeah. of thing. Um, so I was very fortunate in that. Uh, and that's why I'm, I'm like, that's crazy that they're having trouble getting to residency. Where did you hear that? Because... All of my doctors were DOs hmm. growing up in in my young life too. But was that a primary care? That's yeah, it was primary care. I wonder if the primary care pediatrician is phasing out. Like primary care as a whole is phasing out. Not, okay, not as a whole. It's a uh, like you're going into doctors groups now for mm-hmm. primary care instead mm-hmm. of it being one doctor right. at a spot at a, at a building that he owns. He oh, it's the overhead. They're in more doctors groups. Um, it's a lot harder to find good primary care doctors. There's a shortage of primary care doctors. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that has anything to do with it. I'm just shooting the, shooting the dark here. Ooh. You know, I'm just kind of I'm, I'm I'm curious about that. It's it seems I like the know. DO approach is more. It works better, especially for, for primary care. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why are we like? Why is the medical system more for the MD than the DO? Is it because it's a financial issue? Like our like MDs are going to prescribe probably more medicines. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and we we do have an incentive based medical system mm-hmm. where if you have this uh, medicine is prescribed, then the doctor gets paid more. Also, uh, back but, in the day, you had had your pharma pharmacy reps come in and yeah. roll in. And that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, there's a law against that now. Um, but so at, that's how hydrocodone became a huge thing. Yeah, we well. Um, because there's like some anti-kickback statute. I'm not sure. Massive kickbacks. Yeah. Um, that when the pharmacy reps rolled through the office or whatever, they were like, oh, it's great. Let's go to dinner. And yes, I'll push that medicine. Um, and that catered more to MDs. And that was a moneymaker for everybody. So maybe again, Hmm. that's the old guard kind of thinking. Uh, I'm hoping that DOs don't have that. Um, inability to find residencies moving forward, given that 
everything's changing. It's topsy-turvy. But I think topsy-turvy is what we need. Yeah. We need a yes. shake-up. <laughs> yes, we do. Please. Okay, so if you had one research study, or say two research studies, or a series of research studies, all on the same topic, what would it be on? What would it be? Yeah. Probably empathy. Empathy? Really? Yeah. You love empathy that much? It has a lot to do with a lot of things we encounter. Um, ability to recognize uh, or, or or understand something in, in another person's shoes. This is, goes back to my psychology years. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> also. Sorry. Um, nonverbal um, cues, um, I feel, are, are a huge thing. And, and empathy? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and I think we need to pay more attention to those things hmm. um, to understand another person, what they're going through. Um, I, I, I like that. Um, so it would be something having to do with that. Um, uh, I get it. Um, I, I do another research interest of mine is um, understanding and, and, and kind of defining exactly what situations contributed to um, like uh, the underserved population for, for that to happen. So you, so you do like, uh, like SES, like what is like, uh, like the research and study of socioeconomic status and how it relates to health. Yeah. Okay. Yes, for sure. And it's, um, <clears throat> it's, it's, it's clear to me, but you know, others need, you know, evidence. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. It is a very, it's a, that's a big fact. Yeah, it's it's super clear to me, uh, but uh, yeah, let's let's all right, let's go do it. Uh, uh, it so yeah. why is empathy again? Take it even a step further. Why has empathy made such a huge impact on your research and of, of all the topics that you could possibly choose? Why is empathy such a massive thing for you? There hasn't been a lot of empathy um, in the world. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> And it's contributed to, you know, um, situations where there's abuse, there's violence, there's things happening that are very bad because mm-hmm. of a misunderstanding, uh, because inability to put yourself in another person's shoes, so to speak, um, inability to process feelings and emotions, um, and, and give it, yeah, I get it, you can't teach that to everybody because some people legitimately cannot process um, that kind of stuff, uh, but but knowing knowing that, I think it would it would benefit society <laughs> to be more empathetic. Oh, massively, yeah. Um, but in healthcare, if again, uh, and then part two of that is there are not a lot of people who look like me who are doctors, um, mm. who are practitioners, who even PhDs. No. Um, so how can you put yourself in my shoes when you're, you don't look nothing like me? Hmm. And you, you, our cultural values are different. Yeah. So can I give you some tools to help you kind of maybe understand what I'm going through? Hmm. Um, so that's important. So like giving the tools to people who, who are the providers, who, who are taking care of you. So that, that's kind of what you want to see happen with your research yeah. on empathy. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's what we're trying to do with the students. Mm-hmm. Um, they're fresh, right? They yeah. just from undergrad, so like blank slate. Yeah. Um, uh, some of them are legacies. 
unfortunately i mean fortunately um, i mean well so uh <laughs> <laughs> yes i can cut that if i need to <laughs> but um uh but yeah, but uh, and maybe their mindset is a certain way, but uh, we're hoping through this experience again, that experience be their teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, the hope is that they will come out more having the tools to, to be empathetic. Mm-hmm. Even if you are not from the same background or have the same or similar cultural values and norms. Yeah. Um, and can understand, oh, that's why you're doing that. It's because grandma said that and she, this, oh, okay, I got, mm. got you. Well, maybe that's not the best thing. I can give you alternatives and, and we can decide how to do this together. And not a clinician saying, you need to take this medicine because it's this is your signs and symptoms and that's what you need and don't come back. No, it's like, um, I get why you're doing this, but maybe you should stop because this is what's happening. And these are your options. And yeah. and so I really like when I have um, clinicians do that to me mm-hmm. or to my husband. Yeah, not big time. And my husband, um, he he was in the emergency room. Uh, he drove there and I'm like freaking out because he said his face was drooping. And I'm like, oh, no. I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? I mean, I know what to do, but it's my husband. And I'm like, yeah, I'm in it. Was you it know? Bell's palsy? He was Bell's palsy. Yeah. And I'm like, but he has risk factors for, you know, mm-hmm. he's, oh yeah, risk factors for uh, stroke. And, um, but anyway, the, the ER doc, he, he was like, um, okay, so we're going to test you. We're going to take this blood test and check your, you know, your heart and all that stuff and make sure you're good to go. And if everything is cool, it's Bell's palsy. And he gave him options. Do you want your blood drawn? Do you want to check for this? Because huh. I feel really strongly it spells palsy because you're like, you're talking fine. You're thinking, okay, your motor skills are, are great. Yeah. It was just in his face, right? Yeah. yeah. There's, a, there's a sign. It's, it's like the eyebrow. They look at the eyebrow and if it, oh gosh, I forgot what exactly how they do it, but it's Bell's palsy is typically only a droop of the face mm-hmm. and the eye and the eyebrow or something like that. While stroke, it, it, it's mm-hmm. pretty it's unilateral obvious, yeah. yeah it's obvious yeah my mom's had a stroke i've seen stroke patients mm-hmm. um so in in talking to him over the phone because he didn't know what was going on was he droopy like even with his tongue was his tongue messed up no no he could still talk to me I okay mean, he's fine that, that's a big one yeah yeah i kept him on the phone yeah. because i'm like you're driving yourself he was coming from work to to the emergency room he was talking to me i was like as long as he's talking to me and he's still making sense yeah I feel good about it. Yeah. And I'll meet you there. Let's just keep up. Let's just stay on the phone. Because when my mom called me, you could not. <laughs> Understand anything. Right. <laughs> she was like, well, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, her thoughts were, I knew what she was saying because she's my mom. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, to somebody who didn't know her, it'd be like, what? Yeah. Yeah. What are you trying to say? Um, but yeah, it's, but the ER doctor was there. He was like, these are your options. And was he a deal? I, I don't remember. <laughs> this is interesting because I, I thinking back, I don't remember. I I just know that he, <laughs> the ER was busy that day. And um, 
Mm-hmm. As but always. We were, yeah. Well, this was not a the community one. Oh. We went to one by our house. Oh. Because this drive is shorter. Oh, no, totally. No. <laughs> well, you're not going to go to a level one comprehensive stroke center? <laughs> Come on, Naomi. I know, right? Uh, let's make my husband drive <laughs> even further. <laughs> and kill people on the way. <laughs> and kill people on the way. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> oh, you're right. I stand corrected. I am wrong. I am a student. <laughs> Teach me. No. But, um, uh, yeah, no, it was, uh, and then we both, we all decided collectively, yes, we're just go ahead and draw the labs and do what you got to do for, mm-hmm. to, to, for, to rule out stroke definitively, mm-hmm. um, not just based on your gestalt, you know, yeah. um, let's go ahead and do that. It's going to be a few more hours. It's cool. All right. We, we just, let's just lock it down and make sure we're, we're good to go. Um, yeah. And he was, he was good. We did some physical therapy and he's back to annoying me. okay last question because we're on like three hours of this even though we only have probably two hours or an hour and a half recorded um one theory that is so out there and crazy that you actually might think is plausible whether it could be the brain a hypothesis that you specifically have um whatever it may be are you asking me Mm -hmm. oh i thought you were gonna present one no you i was like question last question colon (laughs) <laughs> oh, I need to have the visual. Yeah. <laughs> I I love the Oxford comma too. You like That's okay. Really great. Okay. Mm-hmm. So again, question. Okay, so last question, Colin. There in in your years of research, what's uh an idea, a theory, it could be personal, a theory mm. on something, it could be anything that you've come across that we definitely don't know about or agree with, but you think is actually plausible. <laughs> I have my own theory and Good. maybe others have it. Um, Cause I know for you, I'm, there's gotta be like one or two that you just always think about. Oh yeah. Am I right? For sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's how I am. Yeah. I have uh, I have this theory um, about blood type and every time um, it, 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 it comes up, I always say, it. I, I swear it's, it's about mosquitoes. And blood type. And I don't know if anybody's done this and I haven't done the research to see if anybody has. But I feel that based on your blood type, mosquitoes are more likely to attack you or to surround you. Because every time, and this is all through my life, every Mm -hmm. time I go out, like anybody who, I'm O positive. And most of my family is O positive. Like my son is O positive. My mom is O positive. You know, my cousins are O positive. And we go out and we play in the yard and blah, blah, blah. And we, if we, if we got bit, it was very minimal. But say, for example, my husband or, you know. I get eaten up. So what blood type do you have? I don't know. You don't know? I don't know. But my wife, I think, is O. And she doesn't get eaten. I, there's, I have yeah. a theory that uh, depending on your blood type, you are more likely to get bitten by mosquitoes. Yeah. I get eaten up, which is kind of funny. A lot of people think that about COVID. Yes. Blood type. That was one of the first things too, because when it first came out and I'm like, and everybody's asking for ideas and theories and what can we make into a research project? Because we have this registry that we're doing. Um, And I'm like, this is my, this is my theory. And, and, and Mm. I know the PI on the study was like, Naomi, you need to stop with that. Because I told him about my mosquito theory. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, 
I'm telling you. It makes had, sense though. We had a whole conversation about mosquitoes. And he's like, he called his ex-wife on the phone and it's like, what's my blood type? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know my blood type. I don't know. I know so so Molly, my wife, so when when I got COVID, she didn't get it at all. Or the kids. Or again, she didn't show any symptoms of getting it mm-hmm. whatsoever. So maybe she I mean, she was obviously exposed. Um, but uh, again, I'm I would assume I'm A or B or A B, something like that. I'm I'm assuming I'm not O mm-hmm. because I think she's O. I don't remember. I don't remember if it was O positive or O neg. Um, and she gets like not touched by mosquitoes. They they swarm me, <sighs> and they swarm my son. But my daughter, no, and my wife, no. So Same do thing you with know COVID. the kids? Uh, I, mm, I, it's probably on some of the yeah, some record. Yeah, but. I would um, invest the time to look that up. Yeah. I'm curious to know because you have an experiment right oh, there yeah. in your house. I know. I've, I've been thinking about it ever since. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, so I have that theory. And, and I know my PI uh, over the COVID registry is rolling his eyes at me. Okay, anyway. <laughs> I know your theory about blood type and mosquitoes and blood <laughs> to COVID. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But also there is a theory out there that I'm interested to learn more about, about women. And, okay, here's the thing. Um, they have the trauma symposium every year yeah. and like two years ago was like one of the best ones. That's what I heard. Yeah. Um, we had the, 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 um, the surgeon who helped those five, um, or tried to help the five officers that were shot. Are you, are you going into like forensic, uh, no. Nurse? Okay. No, no. but, um, another speaker was a person who, uh, kept seeing all uh, the young black men coming in with gunshot wounds, mm-hmm. gunshot wounds, and they kept dying, 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 dying. Uh, he has a pregnant woman, um, young pregnant um, black woman come come in, um, mortally wounded. She survived, and he has the theory about um, how females are able to sustain like massive traumatic injuries, and even though you and I would consider it not survivable, they survive. Versus a, huh. a, a male who was shot in the arm, bled out. I mean, it and could dies. have been saved and, and dies. Versus a, a woman who's mortally wounded. She was shot in the chest and she's pregnant. Um, she miraculously survived. So he has a theory about that the, the female body is built to withstand all this trauma. Do you think it's because, going. Do you think that there's a correlation with uh, women and their ability to carry a child? Yep. And like how much more blood volume you have? Yep. Well, I don't know about blood volume, but... I think that they're, uh, yeah, women are built to carry children uh-huh. and they're built to yeah, push that kiddo out um, and to, you know, the, the baby eats you from the inside. <laughs> I know. Like literally. I know. Well, I don't know. I, my wife tells me. <laughs> yes. I mean, let's just be real here. It's true. Yeah. yeah. They eat you from the inside. You're like, oh, and then they really, and they attacks your brain. So you, you legit have pregnancy brain, you yes. know? It's a thing, and yeah, that's my theory too. Yeah, that uh, the huh. Now I'm curious. Now he gave, uh, for whatever reason, I don't know why, but one of um, the patients that was mortally wounded uh, was a male. He gave him, I don't know, estrogen. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's this person was transitioning. You know, they transitioned yeah. to male to yeah. female, um, and it was time for the dose. So I don't know. I don't know what happened. But to keep homeostasis, uh-huh. um, he gave him whatever he needed of estrogen, whatever. And because of that, the dude survived. 
Was this a GSW? I yes, they were all GSWs. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That what he was referring to. Yeah. So because he gave, you know, this 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 hormone to a man, that dude survived. Do you think it could have estrogen could have a special clotic factor, like with vitamin K? I have no idea. I don't know. So that's the question. We don't know. Because hmm. a uh, 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 a pregnant female, do, do they have more likely ability to? They do have a more likely ability to clot because the D dimer usually also mm-hmm. gets elevated um, whenever you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if it's a it's a clotting factor. Could be. Huh. We don't know. We That's don't cool. Know. So those are my two. If I were if I had money uh, in the world. Um, uh, all the money in the world, I would do those two things. And it, it, I'm, my gut tells me I'm right. Mm. <laughs> I'm right. No. The gut was just classified as an organ, like what, 2019 or something like that? I have no idea. Yeah. It's actually, uh, the gut biome is considered an organ now. That's super cool. Glad it makes that. sense. I want to know about, um, your experience with COVID though. Oh, gosh, I had COVID. <laughs> no, you said uh, it was interesting and you said let's save it to the it was interesting yeah okay so I I go into work and I I went I woke up on a Thursday morning it was like 4.30 I went in pretty early um, woke up at 4.30 it felt like a kind of like when you first get the flu um, it feels like the bus a bus kind of hits you for a bit yeah. and I was like okay this is different I don't mm-hmm. feel like normal. normal I feel like crap um, it's not flu season um, okay, so there's a good chance I'll get COVID. I, I might have COVID. So I walk from my bed to the kitchen. I'm like, whew, <sighs> super, super winded. Yeah. I had a slight fever. It was like 100.5 or something like that. Not much, but just right there. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually run like, you know, typical 98.6, right? Or 98.5 or something like that. Um, anyways, I, I come, I'm on my way to work. I call my supervisor. He goes, yeah, don't come in. You probably have COVID. You're, you're now on leave for two weeks. And, I wasn't allowed to use anything but my PTO. I had to burn through all my PTO for yeah. this thing. Kind of sucked, but um, so I go in. Uh, I, I needed the diagnostic test. Unfortunately, our, our medical system and even our businesses they 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 want that positive or negative, no matter what disease it is. They want to see a diagnostic on yeah. paper test for any diagnosis. When in reality, like the clinical picture is more important because mm-hmm. there's more there's more errors typically in the diagnostics because more people are handling it. Blah blah blah. Um, that's another tangent. Um, so. I had to go in and get a diagnostic test. So I went to our, our mutual hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, good friend, a doctor took care of me. He goes, yeah, you definitely have it. Okay. You definitely have it. Bottom line. Um, I go home, quarantine. They put me on uh, an antibiotic and uh, Tylenol, I think is what it was. I was masking up my dose of Tylenol. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it was a Z-Pack and something else. It was co- when you combine Z-Pack with something else, I forgot what it was. Tip- they, there was some good evidence that it helped mm-hmm. re- recovery rates. So Thursday, the same day, I was, that night I was feeling better. The next day, I felt almost normal again. I was like, oh, that was, that was nothing. And then Saturday came around, and it came back like tenfold. It yeah. was really weird, really weird. Um, I couldn't walk. Uh, I could barely walk. When I, when I tried to walk, I could barely walk to the kitchen. I got super winded. It almost felt like uh, if meningitis, like settling, because meningitis attacks your spine and your meninges, um, it, it felt like it, it – settled in my spine interesting yeah in my tailbone so i couldn't sit like when i I couldn't sleep because it felt like my entire spine Mm -hmm. and my tailbone was inflamed um so 
wasn't getting any sleep. I now had anxiety during COVID. It mm-hmm. gave me anxiety. Um, like I was trying to watch a normal show we were watching, and I couldn't watch it because I was having a panic attack. Mm-hmm. First panic panic attack I've ever had in my entire life. Um, and nothing was helping. I was mask, max, maxing out my Tylenol dose as much as I possibly could, um, and still the pain wasn't subsiding. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny. My sister, who's a nutritionist, who I, I had a podcast on uh, right before you a few days ago, and she gave me – they call them, she calls them herbal bombs, and it's just it's a it's a bomb of herbalness that has all these crazy oh, nutrients. Herbalness, or not right? Um, <laughs> she she's got a, a concoction. I forgot what it was. Um, I took those super bitter. Took those. Um, had these teas she gave me from her garden. Um, it was a list of different things. And um, after so this is nine days in. Nine days in of me just like it was it sucked. It yeah. sucked. So like you okay first two first day. I was like, ugh. And then the second day was fine. like fine. I, felt, I, third, I thought it was over. The third day is when it hit. hit. And then there started all the way till day nine. Yeah. Where you were pain in the spine and just. Yeah. It was miserable. Yeah. So it, it, it sucked, but it's, it's weird. Flu was still way worse. It's it's a hard, but it was a, way, it was a different way worse. Like flu, I'm puking my guts out for 18 hours, 24 hours, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like crap the entire time. COVID was bad but it still wasn't as bad as that it was just a different type of bad hmm. it, I, I didn't yeah. feel like like with the flu i felt aches and pains all over you're puking with covid it felt like it just settled in my spine i couldn't walk i couldn't sleep it's just di- just different hmm. um so anyways all the way up until day nine nine and a half ten um nothing was working and so then i started taking what she gave me which was these teas the herbal bombs um and I forgot what else what it was. I think it was one more thing. And the next day I was better. Mm. It was weird. Weird. I was like, this is not normal. No. The, the inflammation went down. Cause I think like was a turmeric, turmeric, whatever that yeah. mm-hmm. that helps reduce yeah. inflammation. Um that helped my spine. I slept for the first time yeah, in a long great. time. So it was just super weird. It wasn't I wasn't expecting it. Um and this is one of those situations where I was like, okay. This is a great time for herbal medicine. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, it worked way better than anything that was given to me. And then at that point is when I started getting over it, when she gave me the stuff. Perfect. That's wonderful. So day 12, I, I was done. Mm-hmm. I was good. I was normal, 100%. I'm so glad. So, um, yeah. I. So that would be my third um, thing would be food as medicine. Mm. Um, let's go back to growing our medicine in the garden. Mm. And, and, and taking those uh, instead of our pharmacy medications. <laughs> it's good to know we're on the same page. <laughs> Not going to lie. Yeah. That was the, honestly, that was the first thing I, I, I my, my, my mother's grandmother was the, the, the bruja, the witch of the neighborhood. Mm, really? Um, and. What's it called? A bruja. 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 Like, bruja. Bruja with a b okay um and and she was the healer the you know bruja has like a, a negative connotation but she was the healer of the neighborhood hmm. and, and people were scared of her because they didn't really understand but um yeah she had all the herbs and all the stuff and she would mix it up and like here you go um but uh so when this all started happening i got on the text message with my with my uh, cousins and my aunt and we all started talking about how we're going to deal with this. If one of us comes down with it, we'll, mm. what are we going to do? So we're doing 
emergency planning, basically, mm -hmm. um, and contingency plans for a family. And uh, uh, my cousin, the one who has the podcast, yeah. um, she said, I have this book. And she she has two books about, you know, uh, identifying plants. Yeah, so I have the same one, I think. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. I'll show you too. It's really cool. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, and you can't find it on the internet. She she had to send so it was the ISBN number. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, yeah. great. Okay. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Not many people know that. I'm like excited whenever somebody says that. Uh, <laughs> I'm a big nerd. You and I, I think, are more likely we know. Let's <laughs> okay. just say that. Okay. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, oh, yes. It's hard to find people like me. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, researchers are a rare breed from what I hear. So I get it. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, it was two books, and I, I'm curious to know what your book okay. is, so I can tell you definitively if uh -huh. it's the one I have. I'll show it to you in a bit. One is like a dictionary, and the other one is the picture. Um, so you match the picture with the other book, hmm. and, and then it gives you recipes, you know, for different yeah, stuff. That's what this does. Awesome. Okay, yeah, so I have to look at it. But yeah. that was our thing. We're like, no, we can't rely on modern medicine. We can't rely on this. We can't rely on what the doctor, I'm not going to take pen medication. Mm. What are you, crazy? Uh, I mean... <laughs> So what are we gonna do? We're gonna go take it back, and we're mm. gonna go. We're gonna we're gonna gather all our herbs in our garden stuff, and if we don't have it, we're gonna grow it. So start growing your stuff. Um, so that's what we started doing. We started growing our own stuff, and huh. and if somebody doesn't have it, we're gonna reach out and say, "Do you have this? We yeah. need it for this." And like, even though it's like you're exposing yourself and and you're letting everybody know your business, it it's necessary. Yeah. It's now. It's now. It's the time to be honest. And there's there's a fine balance between that. Like, know whenever you need to go to the doctor, and know whenever you should just do these herbal yeah. medicines for your body that are really good for you, that'll yeah. help you in the long run. Yes. You know, don't just treat the symptom. Treat the core issue. Exactly. Do you know much about energetics? No, I don't know. Super interesting. Um, my sister talked about it on the podcast about how like you have to match a person's medical plan based on their energy levels on oh. who they are. So it's it's very. So if you're in, in your area of research and expertise and whatever you do if you ever need to come across uh something where you need a nutritionist mm -hmm. she is brilliant awesome she's awesome you got to check her out okay so I will. um yeah let me know who who she is and yeah. absolutely um yeah so that was basically the plan we we needed to i have a good plan for it you, we needed to go back to basics and do what nature tells us to yeah. do <laughs> <laughs> it's it's satisfying to know that that's where you're at. Yeah. That the one of a leader in the area for research, like because I mean you are one of the main leaders in the area for research right now, um, has this mindset. That's huge. That you're not just researching to get that paycheck, or you're not researching to just you know further the in the uh, big pharma medicus. Yeah. Exactly right. Uh, uh, there are, is a fine balance in that, and it's it's good to know you're there. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Been there, been there. I'm gonna be there for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I want to do. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna change. Yeah, That's yeah. Awesome. But I think that, and we all have a theory about, you know, this pandemic. It's Mother Nature's pissed off, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> and it's Darwinism at its best. Yes. Just, yes. Just saying. I. That's that's our theory. There's there's never a silver bullet for anything. No. You know, there's never a uh, a thing that's one solution. It's typically a compounding result of solutions that cause the solution like it's not just okay take the antibiotic with this it's not just staying inside with covid mm -hmm. it's not just it 
it's a collective approach to mm-hmm. medicine and that's what we have to remember it's it's huge yeah it's huge and and uh we i think we need to treat the person and not just the symptoms mm-hmm. the signs and symptoms and that's the mission of the new medical school is to teach these Man, young I'm medical students so excited. to do medicine a little bit different i'd be interested to see how the even the first year residents are when, mm. the, when they come out, when they're when they're done with the I medical school, I'd, I'd be, yeah, I'm sure you are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, I made that. <laughs> Shame on me. Well, Naomi, we have been going at it since 1:20. It's 4:33 right now. Oh, wonderful. So, thank you so much for coming. Well, this was so much fun. Thank you for having me. I I'm honored. Thank you so much. It's, I'm really, I really hope I can find out the first because that first hour, I hope I don't lose it. Because my dad gum computer. But if not, we still had another it's good okay amount of time. It's okay because we, we covered a lot. We did a lot. <laughs> we did. Well, Naomi, thank you very much. Okay. Talk to you later. Thank you. Bye.